0: Hey friends, I'm Stuart Sutherland, co-founder of Heritage Missional Community. We are a growing network of micro churches centered around a coffee house and coffee roasting business in Shasta Lake, California. If you've ever thought there has to be more to this journey of following Jesus, then this is the right place for you. Thanks for joining me in a casual conversation about reclaiming authentic discipleship. Fill up your coffee cup, settle in, and here we go. Hey, and welcome back to a continuation of the story of how Heritage Began. We call it our origin story, and this is episode five. And if you remember, in episode four, we talked about vision. When vision comes, it looks a little messy. It's practiced in community. As the Lord gave vision, not only was it a practice of of giving vision to other people, but it was receiving vision as conversations took place around burritos, around groups of trusted friends, and it was just a really amazing time to see the Lord at work, not just in our own hearts, but in the hearts of the community that we got to run with. And I also ended with sharing this big moment where we had people get behind the vision, not just in prayer or in excitement, but financially. And I said it felt like we were we were behind. It was like the vision ran way ahead, like 3 miles ahead of us and we needed to catch up. We needed to figure out what to do next. And so that's that's what this story, this part of the story is about was how did we how did we pursue this vision when the vision just took off running, when it when it had a momentum almost a life of its own and when i think about this idea of of reclaiming authentic discipleship our story here is really about i guess i should just stop and say we didn't really know what we were doing we we were uncertain about our our own skills and abilities we weren't sure if we were equipped like i said we had been part of risen king and and growing and getting some training and inner healing and learning about our own spiritual gifting, my own spiritual giftings. But um, apart from that, I can't say there was a certain moment where, where I felt completely ready. And so a lot of this pursuing of what was next was also mixed with a lot of fear, was mixed with a lot of uncertainty. But the, the clear vision that the Lord gave me and and gave us really kept us going, kept the the momentum alive, kept the fire alive, even though we were scared, even though it was something that seemed impossible. And a building seemed really impossible for us. In fact, we, you know, we had this financial backing, but then we started looking in the city of Shasta Lake. And I remember this this time where we went to look at a particular building in town, honestly, it was probably the only available building. There weren't many available buildings in the city of Shasta Lake at the time, and it was an old pizza place. It was called Boomtown Pizza, this old single-story brown building in a parking lot, and the parking lot was kind of the first thing we noticed because we wanted this to be a place to gather people, to be a third space, not home, not work, but that gathering place. And we thought, well, you're probably going to need a lot of parking for that. And the parking lot was really small. And so we thought, well, you know, it's kind of a compromise. But we, we didn't actually have access to the inside of the building. We hadn't gotten that far in our, in our research but we peered into the windows, and we saw that it had a stage, and that was pretty exciting. Some live music was definitely part of the vision. We saw we knew they had a kitchen, obviously, if they were a, a pizza place. And so it seemed like, okay, there are, there are parts and pieces of this of this space that really seemed like it could be a go. And it was a space that we wouldn't have to buy. It was just for rent. So that seemed like a good thing, too. And while we were circling the outside of the building, my eye kind of drifted to the east, up the boulevard, and maybe a few hundred yards away was this big, white, two-story building, green roof, and I just thought secretly to myself, this is the place, that's the place I want. I don't want this brown building with, you know, a, a parking lot that's too small. I want that. I want that big building over there. That's, that would be perfect. I didn't really say that. I didn't know. I didn't say that out loud. I didn't really think much else of it. And after we had finished looking at the the old pizza parlor, went home and Sarah and I started to to debrief what we saw. And in that conversation, Sarah said, you know, I don't know if this is the building. I don't know if that that pizza place is the right. You know, we, we we started talking about, well, there are certain things that we really liked about it, but there were definitely a lot of things that we weren't too excited about. And so as we were talking, she said, you know, I, I kind of thought to my she, she thought to herself, while we were out there, she was sharing this with me, that the the building, that big white two-story building with the green roof, you know what I'm ta- ta- talking about? She said, and I'm, I'm laughing at that point because I realized she was dreaming about the same building that I was dreaming about. And this is why this building was impossible. That, that building that we really, really wanted was, was so impossible, and here's why. It was a church. It was a, it was a Calvary Chapel church. The last thing we wanted was to, to interfere with, with what God was already getting done in the city of Chassel Lake. And, and And if anything, we would love to partner with these guys, so maybe even being... More or less next door to them, it would be a really great win, and so we we continued the hunt. And again, I I'm still working full time in, in architecture at this point, so it's back to work, back to kind of this this tension of life where we were both um, dreaming big and moving forward with the vision God had in front of us for ministry, but also just taking care of the normal the normal job and trying to do the best that I could, and. It wasn't probably more than a week that this one of the guys in our community who was helping us launch, his name was Dan, was walking in the grocery store. Now, Dan, as he was in the grocery store, runs into a friend of his whose name is Gene. Gene happens to be the pastor at the Calvary Chapel Church in Shasta Lake. And Gene opens up their greeting, because they're friends, with, Hey, do you want to buy my building? And Dan kind of laughs a little bit because I, at this point we had shared with Dan that, wow, that's a really cool building. We thought, you know, it's, it's a bummer that it's already taken, but that's more of like the ideal for us. And so he, he told Gene at the grocery store, yeah, Gene, you know what? I think we may be interested in your building. And so that began the first step in this process that, that initially seemed like a no-go, that seemed off limits and impossible. As we prayed, the Lord the Lord. I really believe, planted that desire in our hearts to, to see that building and to know that that was the right location, that was the right spot for the vision. And so now we start this conversation with Gene with and Calvary Chapel and turns that they're just trying to downsize buildings, and they just want to get out from under this, so they're going to sell the building for what they owe. This turns into a really great deal. And we already have some people on board who are who are getting behind the vision financially. And it seems like, okay, this thing's actually going to work. I think this is going to happen. And this is starting, again, to just feel like everything's moving fast. And I feel a little uncertain. But the Lord is making things clear. There's almost no arguing with it at this point. And so we're like, okay, well, let's move forward. Let's figure out our financing options. How do we buy the building and things like that? And wouldn't you know it? things started to slow down once we started chasing that avenue. And the the financial part of this got really complicated because we had donors, we had um, purchasing a building um, that's commercial property that requires more money down. And all of these things just started to, to, to hinder the process. And I can't say that I was relieved because I really wanted it to happen, but at the same time, there was some relief in the fact that things slowed down for a second. And so we had to regroup, and we had a lot of meetings to figure out, okay, how do we make this work? And what was really interesting was the harder we tried, the more the doors seemed to close. The more banks that we were visiting, the more no's we got. And this started to turn into a bit of a crisis. And the crisis was our friends at Calvary Chapel were trying to get out of their building for financial reasons, and time was of the essence. And so it came to a point where there was another interested party who was very motivated and willing to to purchase the building from Calvary, Calvary Chapel. And... Gene, the pastor, said, you know, we really want to sell this building to you. We love the vision. In fact, we had vision, a similar vision for this city. And so to see you carry it out to us is such a such a huge blessing. And again, this is just more of how the Lord was working in this season so miraculously. And, and it seemed like everywhere we went, there were connections to the vision that the Lord had given us. And so we told Gene, okay, we're going to, you know, we set a hard date. By this date is when we have to you know get get a contract that we have to have our financing in place and we tried even harder we went to more banks we 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 continued to look and it just seemed like option after option closed it, there weren't any options there weren't any ways that we could get creative and make this happen and i remember sharing this with our our small group that was meeting in Shasta Lake and said guys we really believe that the lord has called us to this building. He's he's given us vision for this building. He's this is a this is a space where we're going to take ground in the city of Shasta Lake and see God's kingdom advance and we just you know there was no doubt this was the right place but right now it's just slipping through our fingers. It's like not going to happen and we we couldn't figure out why we were praying and asking the Lord for wisdom and we just weren't getting anything and I started reading the book of Joshua, and you get to to chapter six is this this moment where Joshua and the Israelites are taking captive the promised land, and they're faced with this fortified city, Jericho, and they had to find a creative way to, 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 to win their first battle, to take the ground of the land that was promised to them, and the Lord highlighted that story to me. And, and so when I was sharing with our small group, I said, you know, guys, I think that we need to treat this place, this building and taking ground in Shasta Lake like taking the promised land, like taking something, something that the Lord has put in front of us the way that the same way that Israelites did. What if we what if we woke up and at sunrise for six days, we walk around this building in Shasta Lake. We literally do that. And, you know, the commitment to waking up at sunrise every morning was pretty rough. But we had some commitment. And so Sarah and I would get up every morning for six days, and we walked around the building and we prayed. And, of course, the goal was by the seventh day to to get as many people there as we could. And so the seventh day comes, and... Actually, before we get to that moment, there's something really interesting that, that Sarah was sharing with me when I was telling her I'm going to share this story. And she was saying that when we were driving into town, because at this point we were living in Redding, commuting up to Shasta Lake, um, every morning that we came in for those seven days, there's there's one stoplight in the, in the town. We only have to go through one stoplight before we get to the building. And normally that stoplight makes us stop. It's rarely green but interestingly enough every morning that we got to that signal it was a green light there was no there was nothing holding us back it was just like you know and looking back on that it's it's almost as though uh, yet another way another another just simple thing that the lord was pointing out or highlighting for us saying yes this is the right way i want you to go through this i want you to continue on fighting for this land and so the, we get back to the seventh day. We have a bunch of people from our community rallied around the building. We march around it seven times, like the Israelites. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, there were no shofars, no ram's horns being blown, no Ark of the Covenant being carried around, no army in in armor, no no swords. But we were fighting not a, a, a physical war at this point. We were really f- we were. F- battling a spiritual stronghold we felt like. And so on the 7th day we marched around the building in silence 7 times and after we we circled the building the 7th time we just prayed declarations over the city over the building and we we took the land in faith. We took the building in faith. So now you might be wondering okay what happened? Did the walls fall down? No. Now the building's <laughs> to our benefit, stayed un, uh, unaffected, but nothing really happened. We just debriefed, we prayed blessing, and then we, we went back to work, we went back to our normal business. So I go back to my office and I'm sitting there just kind of running it through my mind, like, man, what's next, Lord? What's missing? What did... What was this for? You know, are we going to fight for this only to lose this battle? Are we, are we learning something in this? What is it, Lord? And I thought, man, we've, we've tried all the banks in town. We've tried all of these things. And then a thought in my mind just jumped out. My employer in architecture, he was actually on the board and one of the founders of one of the banks in town, one of the commercial banks in town. And I thought, huh. Maybe I should talk to him. Maybe I should ask him. Just present with, present to him the problem we have. It's not for lack of money. It's just for lack of figuring out how to make the transaction work. It's just no bank is really wanting to touch it, and we can't figure out why. And so I, I went to him. I went to, to Les's office. I said, hey, Les, I know this is kind of a strange request because this basically, he at this point knew I was transitioning into ministry, and here I was an employee of his and an employee that he really appreciated being on his staff. And I'm asking him to help me basically transition out by asking him this question. I said, we're trying to get that building that, I, that I, he already knew about. And I said, we're running into all sorts of obstacles with financing. The problem is, is we have the money. We just can't find a bank who will walk with us through the process to make this possible. Les looks up from his desk and he smiles And he says, you know what? Why don't you go down to the bank? I'll give him a call. I'll set up a meeting for you. And I know a guy who could probably just make this thing happen for you. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. First of all, you have to understand, yes, I was terrified to ask my boss for a favor, especially when I was on the way out. I was on the way of no longer being his employee. And... It also was a big ask just personally. It felt like, wow, I normally wouldn't do something like that. I wouldn't normally ask a favor of somebody because I would I, I would feel like it was thinking less of my own abilities. It was not picking myself up by my own bootstraps. And this was, I think, a really important moment for me because the Lord was teaching me how to not just depend in my depend on my own abilities but to to depend on other people, to depend on the, on the people that the Lord is inviting to participate as well. I needed to get out of the way. And not that I was necessarily directly in the way at this moment, but I learned that as I had to move forward, there were going to be obstacles that were beyond what I had control over or an ability to fix. And the Lord just, in a moment, created an opportunity, opened a door, we went into that meeting, the loan officer says, oh yeah, no problem, I've done this before, this is a, you know, had a name for it, and yeah, this is something we've done before, we can do it again, not a problem. And literally, I have to tell you the timeline of this, literally this is the 11th hour, this is the day before our agreement would expire with Calvary Chapel this is a day before <clears throat> calvary would have taken that offer from someone else and not from us and in just enough just in time the lord showed up and you talk about crazy and scary and just a lot of built up tension and the relief that came after that meeting it was like we couldn't we were we were shocked we were just totally amazed at what the lord just did in that moment and it was just sitting in the quiet hearing his quiet voice saying what about lass what about your boss so we we couldn't we couldn't celebrate for too long at this point because now we have this escrow process the building we finally get our keys in, in hand and then it was then it was the construction process it was this long roads still in front of us. And yet there was only enough money to really purchase the building. And it was like, okay, now we've got to do fundraisers. Now we've got to do all these other things. We have to find people to help with construction. Because I had a background in architecture, I was able to work on drawings at this point for the remodel, for the design work, and all that fun stuff. And so it was just a really get to work moment where it was a short, powerful, awesome celebration with our community. And then it was okay next step is right there in front of us, where things seem to come to a screeching halt just as quickly as it stopped. It is now, the, the floodgates were wide open, it was time to get moving again. And when I come back to the story in Joshua, you know, Joshua in chapter one, um, it's just powerfully commissioned by the Lord. Moses dies, and now it's Joshua's turn to take over leadership of the Israelites to lead them finally after 40 years in the wilderness into the promised land and so Joshua goes for it but he says these things to be to be strong and courageous a reminder to be strong and courageous to his people the lord calls you and me to be strong and courageous so it's out of that strength and courage that we can take what the Lord has promised to us. And when I think about the story of the building for Heritage was just that. There was a promise, but there wasn't necessarily just like the Lord handed it over to us and said, oh yeah, here's the building, and this is exactly what it's going to look like, and here's what every step you take um, will look like. And the Lord didn't do that. The Lord invited us to to dream outside of what we were comfortable with, to walk through a process that we didn't necessarily have a a guidebook for, to continue to fight, to continue to contend, to pray, and to take that land. And when the Lord showed up, when the Lord miraculously made that possible, I feel like the benefit to that was we grew in our strength and courage. We grew in our resolve. The word strong is connected to the idea of being strong. To have resolve. To be courageous is to affirm that resolve, often with just action. You know, courage takes action. It's not just believing, yeah, I can do that. I'm going to be strong in my conviction, but it's actually living out our conviction when things get hard. And so the lesson in that is such a powerful lesson in the idea of continuing to walk in authentic discipleship. It requires you and me and everyone, when we say yes to Jesus, to walk and to be strong and courageous. There's this passage I'm going to read from chapter 1, which is verse 9. And it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And as the Israelites were crossing the Jordan and going into the promised land, the Lord was exhorting them. He was encouraging them strongly to not waver to the left or to the right but to be strong and courageous to keep the law and the commandments to keep the Lord in front of them. But then he promises this, don't be frightened, and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He knows us. He knows that we're going to be scared. He knows that we're going to wander off. We're going to wander to our left, we're going to wander to our right, but he always calls us home with the promise that he's always with us. And even when things don't seem like they're working, he's with us. And so that's where this story ends, but it's only really the beginning. It's the beginning because the next story is how in the world do we transform this church building into a coffee house? How do we turn this into a new expression of church that doesn't just um, have the four walls and a roof on it, but it has all the amenities, has all the, the you know, the, the special trades that are required to accomplish this huge task. And man, a, what a story it is. And I can't wait to tell you. So I'll, until then, I'll see you later. Thanks for joining in today. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment if you enjoyed this episode. You can check out our ministry at heritagecoffeehouse.org. And remember, we all play a vital role in God's plan for redemption. So what's the Father saying to you, and what are you going to do about it?